0: Baby
1: To get the mood set right there yeah. Yeah. makes me want to get out and go like ride my dirt bike up the street and back right and back up the street again and ride wheelies and all, all the all the fun stuff that us dorks like to do, but uh, makes whoop.
2: me just want to drink beer. <sighs>
1: yeah, I don't know that there's anything on the planet that doesn't make you want to drink beer, James. Uh, yeah, no. see, <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, I don't, I'm Okay, yeah. Anyways, (laughs) what's up, guys? Moto X Pod Show brought to you by Broadway Power Sports, Tyler, Texas. All Sport Dynamics, MX Girl Designs, Shock Socks, PMP Sprockets, York Welding and Fab, TPJ Racing. I'm your host, Mark Poole. Hey, guys. Of course, sitting to my left, not that you can see that, but he's my co-host. He's my friend. He's my confidant. He's my hero. No, no, no. We're not going to go that that far. We're not going that far. (laughs) But uh, anyways, the world famous Dark Side. What up, dude? What's going on? Another great weekend
2: of uh, Moto and Down. Yeah. (laughs) Another great show coming up.
1: Yeah, I definitely rode a bunch this weekend. I know you did some racing this weekend over at Johnsonville for the Moto Masters and one of the vintage races.
2: I did. I did my first vintage race. Yeah, that was. Uh, tell us I'm hooked.
1: tell us about that a little bit. <laughs> They're fun, man. Well, I've done I mean, one. They're fun for anybody
2: that listens to our show and does amateur racing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's gets serious sometimes. There's not a whole lot of serious shit going on at the <laughs> minute. And uh, Shane Garcia and I talked about it. It's kind of like you know the TVRC Vended Series is a party that happens to have a race. Yeah, man, those guys right. are just having a. Good they're time. they're there to and camp
1: out and drink beer all yeah, weekend. Yeah, you know, and I don't yeah. own a
2: vintage bike. I uh, called some guys earlier in the week and said, "Hey, I really like to do this." And they're like, "Yeah, come on, we'll find you a bike." And that evening, we're all hanging out. It was Saturday evening after the Moto Masters. Mm-hmm. Sitting around the camp, and everybody's like, "What are you gonna ride?" And I said, "Well, I don't know yet." So at that point, about five or six people said, "Hey, I have this you can ride," and "I have this you can ride." Well, oh, yeah. I got this you can ride. And I ended up riding Shan Garcia of Shock Socks and uh, Rob Springer. They co-own a 1985 Honda CR250. That
1: is an amazing motorcycle. So much fun, dude. Is it good? Oh, my God. It's just Uh, a blast. Other
2: than... I haven't rode a two-stroke in 10 years. Did it have a rear drum brake? And it has a rear drum brake. <laughs> so, trying to ride it like a 450 doesn't work.
1: No, uh uh-uh. but, but you know, don't kill the motor with that drum brake, though.
2: No. Well, it, it also doesn't always stop when you go into a corner. Well, the there are moto, downsides.
1: To the yeah, the one first photo
2: I overshot a berm after the roller section, the first roller section at Johnsonville. Oh, wow. Man, I got a bad start and I'm passing guys left and right and I go into that corner and get on the brakes and it just keeps going.
1: Okay. So, oops. Dang. So so
2: it's but it was a blast. Yeah. And uh,
1: yeah, we just had so much fun, and it's, I loved it, and I want one. Oh man, I tell you what, it's a. Uh, I, I took the old the new arm new to me RMZ 450 out to Swan Sunday. Yeah. Did some moto motoing down, rode a bunch of laps, had a ton of fun on that thing. And, good deal. Uh, it's about time you. Ah man, to ride I'm telling. i starting. I'm starting to feel it again. It's <laughs> been a while since I've really done any serious riding. and yeah. uh But man, you know, it, it was good this weekend. I enjoyed it. So, yeah. Yeah, it
2: was a beautiful weekend and. You know, I, I got to race twice, which I don't usually do two days of racing. Right. I forgot
1: to introduce the dipshit in the corner over there. Sorry. Oh, just, I just didn't say think, hi, James. I just didn't think you no, deserved an introduction. Just say hi, James.
3: <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> All <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> Sorry. But so we got a pretty
2: good show tonight, man. But uh, before we get into that, I guess we should let everybody know we got a week left on the uh, All Sport Dynamics giveaway. Goon picks. I'm not
1: and seeing enough goon picks, guys. You better send me some. I've
2: got a few. Um,. I got a couple that I like.
1: Speaking of, I'm going to check the email right now and see yeah. if there's any new ones to Yeah, be added.
2: so, um, you know, if you want a set of these All Sport Dynamic wrist braces that uh, Jeff Brewer is kind enough to donate and give away, you guys got to send us our or your goon picks on our Twitter or our Instagram and hashtag All Sport Dynamics. And uh, let's see if you can win a set of these things, man. They retail, like, for the set almost 300 bucks. Yeah. Right, you know, right around. Oh, so.
1: speaking of, man, i really got mine dialed in this weekend. I got the right, uh, stop thing put on mm-hmm. the, the, the top part of the wrist. And, uh, I know Jeff's going to be sending me some gloves soon with the glove attachment, yeah, but talk to him, I know. got all that fitted and cut right. And, and dude, I've actually been riding with them a bunch. Like, yeah, when I first put them on, they were a little bit to get used to. But once I like, bowled them in for me and made them fit the right way they're right. perfect it's like anything else
2: first time you wear if you've ever worn a neck brace it's mm. awkward or chest protector or anything it's a little awkward at first because yeah. it's just different but i've been wearing mine for 11 years now my wrist brace my left one for 11 years i just started wearing the right one and i don't even notice it i don't think about it, it just because no. part of it
1: yeah it's fine i had to put the uh, what is it the uh, the meat the there's three stops on it. One yeah, goes all the way back. Small, one goes. Medium, back. Yeah, I got to put the medium one in. And right. It's perfect for me. Yeah, yeah. That's what I use. I tried them. Without riding, I I would put every single one of them in, see where they were, and that's mm-hmm. the one I liked the most. And it translated onto the bike the same way. Yeah. Like exactly how it yep. felt. So They're pretty awesome. But uh, guys, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm struggling tonight. Please bear with me, but I am sicker than shit, and I probably shouldn't be doing here. But allergies... Shut up, James. <laughs> allergies are kicking my rear end right now, and... <laughs> But there's no rest for the weary. We gotta work and we gotta, gotta be here. What's so funny?
2: Yeah, nothing. You, Boy, sh- so you funny. sniffling over there?
1: <laughs> hey, do you, don't you have that fox logo tattooed on your back too? Yep. Oh, well, that is like the really ultimate gay. goon thing to do, right there. It's a tattoo. I'm telling of fox you what, man. Logo. If I can
4: enter this competition, I'd win that bitch. Yeah, well, because, we're not
2: because the only way you ride is a goon.
4: Oh, huh? yeah. I've never seen you
1: ride. And I can just tell that you're a all goon. the time. He's not gonna ride nothing but a two-stroke, man. Damn
2: nope, nothing but two-strokes. I'm, I'm I don't ride the them damn valve slingers. I'm still the two-stroke, man, now because I know that will make you go hell a lot faster if you can figure that shit out.
1: Oh, I love riding one. I feel like riding one for the better part of the last years made me better once I got on a four-stroke I right. actually started trying. You know? Yeah, it so, was a little
2: frustrating watching Shan Garcia work me over because he's been riding two-strokes forever. Man, he was. He handled your ass, huh? Yeah, I mean, I kind of hung with him until I. Lost the front end in the second moto, but yeah. it's just different. Well, I he mean, ain't going to get tired on that thing because he's used to having to ring it out. Yeah, it's it's yeah. new when you've been riding a 450. Well, and, yeah. you know, when you ride somebody else's bike, like the first thing he says is, just don't blow it up. <laughs> so being, well, shit, man. Thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm trying to baby it, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, it was a blast. And then our other sponsor, uh, Charlene from MX Girl, she was in front of me because I had such a bad start, and I chased her down. And there was jumps she was doing that I wouldn't do because I wasn't used to that bike yet. Like the mm. downhill double at Johnsonville, I, I didn't do it at all in practice or in the first moto. And I would catch her, and then she'd pass me there. And she was going outside to jump this downhill double. So mm. I pass her, and I, I scooted to the left, which is the inside on this jump, so that she could still do it and I wouldn't block her. And the next thing I know, she's blowing by me on the left where I didn't think she was going to be. And I bl- almost... Like almost takes me out, and she's laughing as she goes by.
1: Cha cha, you should have yeah. parked.
2: Yeah. Him. yeah, well she t- <laughs> she told him. me later. She said I could have if I'd wanted to. Yeah,
1: should have taken <laughs> down.
2: That'd have been. Yeah, the- it was pretty funny. You know, I ended up. Getting her back, but yeah, we had a lot of fun. She's a hell of a
1: vintage race, she's a very good ride. Girl can no, ride a vintage bike, she gun. cleaned
2: house at Red Bud at the vintage race. Last really, weekend. I'm yes. not shocked, she's good. And on them she things. doubled Larocco's La leap on a vintage bike. I saw the picture of yeah. it. That's not how badass is that.
1: Well, that double itself is big as hell just that, just the double, yeah, just yeah. double it. It's big. no doubt that's the, one of the bigger parts. Like, if you measure out each one, I don't know, but uh, we got a good show coming up tonight, yeah. guys. And we're gonna have Mr. Justin Bogle on to uh, talk about his newly d- new deal with uh, with JGR, and um, then we're gonna have uh, what is Mark's last name again? Uh, it's I
2: believe it's Feinstein. Is how you pronounce it?
1: I'm not real sure, but he's a he's the uh, co-founder of Alta Motors. We're gonna get him on talk about electric bikes. We're gonna shut James's mic off during that segment <laughs> so he doesn't say anything stupid. <laughs> but uh, we're also gonna to talk to Miss Courtney Lloyd, team manager for uh, Team Canada's Motocross of Nations team. Then we're going to have our locals only sing later tonight with uh, none other than the Gringo. The Gringo? I just want to hear the motocross stuff. I just want to hear the motocross stuff. But yeah, we're going to have Mr. Gringo on and uh, chit chat with him, see what he has to say. And yep. uh, it should be a fun show. That'd be show. cool. But hopefully, I don't sniffle the freaking death over here. I feel like I'm about to start sneezing again. If I have to like abruptly get up,
2: Sorry. I think I'd rather you sneeze than, it's, than it sounds like you're going to suck that microphone <laughs> oh, through your nostrils. Oh, dude. I don't know what to do. This sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, for people that don't
2: live where we do, man, this time of year, oh. the, the allergies, the shit in the air is just insane. Like, you come outside, and your truck's yellow, <laughs> and you just can't breathe. And I'm like a little kid anyway. My nose runs oh, like shit. I'm five years old. I'm telling you. i mean, All I the time.
1: I wouldn't trade Texas for anything, but dadgummit, the allergies suck. Here, I, won't, com- I won't comment there. Yeah. We'll go back to California where the liberals are in charge. and You can't do right. You Your fucking laws. I'm not worried about the liberals, there. man. I'm just,
2: I just want the beauty of California and the In-N-Out Burger on every corner. They'll take that out soon enough.
1: It'll become <laughs> offensive to somebody, and they won't let that happen anymore either. In-N-Out Burger
2: will get shut down because some.
1: it'll be some kind of microaggression on the sign because some liberal got okay. pissed off and cried about it. But uh, sorry, we didn't. Yeah, no politics <laughs> in moto. Come on. Yeah. Well, anyways, I had to like throw that in <laughs> had to get there that out because Gringo always says I want to hear the motocross <laughs> right, stuff, so I had to throw right, some shit right. in there. But uh, anyways, all right, we're gonna go ahead and get to our first guest, guys. He is uh, Bud's Creek 450 overall winner, Auto Trader JGR Suzuki's Justin Bogle. Bogle, what's up, dude? Oh, not a whole lot, man.
4: Not a whole lot
2: how you feeling with a couple of weeks off off of uh the race scene
4: it's been good um you always trying to take advantage of those couple of weeks that you do get because you know what is there 52 in a year you get two of them off and the other 50 you got to be on your game so right it's always nice to go home and see some family and do some things you never get to do it's it's good
1: so you didn't hang out in florida during that hurricane <clears throat>
4: i actually wasn't no, I was at home. I was actually at my uh, aunt and uncle's place with the whole family, so, yeah, nice. I, I missed out on all that fun. <laughs> yeah,
1: man, well, glad, glad you weren't there. That was a gnarly deal.
4: Yeah, it's, it sounds like it didn't
2: necessarily do as much damage as they were concerned with, which is really good. I, I saw some of the stuff Kyle Chisholm was posting, and it seems like it wasn't as bad as they were anticipating. I
1: think it knocked the power out a lot in some places, yeah. but, you know.
4: Yeah, we were – I think where we are at, we were pretty good.
2: Right. Well, man, you had a, um, you know, a, a pretty – a little bit of an up-and-down 17 season. You had season, a hell of but, a
1: summer. Man,
2: it, it came on in the, in the motocross, and it may be a little unexpected, but very deserved uh, a, a moto win and then an overall win. Going into the season, did you uh, feel like that was something that you were capable of?
4: Well, you know, going into any season, you feel like it is. But it doesn't always work out that way. So um, obviously, I've talked about it a hundred times. But the way Supercross went was just very trying. Sure. It was it was really tough to stay uh, positive and, and focused. But because I mean, shoot, I literally had two top tens.
3: <laughs> right.
4: And you know, I, I'm a factory racer that's won a 250 championship. Like not just some some scrub and I was really just beating my head against the wall. It was uh, it was pretty rough, but it's all good because it all happens for a reason. You know, I believe that, you know, the past determined. Is just things push you where you need to go. And I had to look myself in the mirror and make some changes. And luckily I have some really incredible people around me to help get all that done. And some great people, you know, let me, Jeannie and Ricky let me come down here and train with them. And
3: yeah.
4: Corey, my trainer, let me you know, even agreeing to work with me, and, and that really is what turned around my, my season, because coming into outdoors, I still wasn't super ready, but here and there, was doing okay, had the one moto in Colorado, and took me a while to back that up, but um, it was building, you know, Just, I was going for some sustainable growth, I didn't want to go do anything crazy, but you know how that works, as I say that, the only times I was on the podium were weekends at one, so... Um, <laughs> It's all just a process, man. I know it's cliche to say it, but it was super up and down. Even outdoors was super up and down. and I wasn't satisfied with it, but I'm learning, learned a lot.
1: Well, I'll say this now, Jamie and I were in Lakewood, uh, for that race. And, um, Seeing that moto, you could tell. Now, we of course we pay attention to every race this season, watch your struggles, the ups and downs of supercross. But watching you run away with that moto win, we're like, damn, something there has changed because you don't yep. just do that by accident. That doesn't just like the ability, of course, everybody knows the abilities there. We've seen you win titles, we know you're a race winner. But you know, watching you struggle this year, it's a little tough, I'm sure. But the moment that switch flipped, you could just tell like there was nobody was going to catch you. It even it, to me. Just from a spectator standpoint, that moto win looked very easy, and I guess that's just a, a byproduct of, of good preparation, switching camps, like you said, going to the Carmichael's. Would you agree?
4: 100%. Um, and It's it's crazy because um, I switched everything up right at the tail end of Supercross, so the way that stuff worked, it's tough not having an off-season, so you're just struggling on the weekends, you're tired, all that stuff, but knowing that down the line this is going to pay off and this is what I have to do right now to adjust because I wasn't used to what I was doing. So, it took a little bit. I remember after the first month we went, we pull out Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Justin, you, you there, now? buddy?
2: You
1: could, we're, we're losing you. We're losing you, Bubba.
4: Uh, yep. Did you,
1: you got me? There, there you are. There you are. Okay.
4: Yeah, so anyway, the week before I Glen Helen, you know, first moto, no offense to anybody, but I got passed by a kid on a black Yamaha, and I got, didn't even top ten, and I didn't get a bad start, and I was just like, man, I don't I don't know, Then I had a decent second moto, and then I went into Colorado, and you know, things fell into place, right, I got a start, I got some solid first laps, and I was just super in the zone that first moto, and feeling good, and just completely ran away with the thing which completely shocked everybody um but yeah it it honestly it was an easy moto which is it's funny to say that because you know it's it's not easy but right it was crazy the way it happened because you just i just felt so good that it just next thing i knew i had 12 seconds you know so (laughs) and like i said that was incredible but then i got too excited about it we were all super happy and didn't back it up second moto. And then it took me a while to back that up again. So it's still a process, but I know what's there. I know it's possible. Right. Well, I'll say this. Knowing that the work's being put in, you know, that takes the confidence up too. So it's all just, you know, it it takes everything to work together to make it happen.
1: Absolutely. Well, speaking of uh, putting the work in, I'm standing by the podium after that first moto. When you're getting off your bike, taking your helmet off, because I'm sitting there taking pictures of everybody, even you. And, uh, man, I, don't, I didn't see you breathing hard. I looked like you were smiling, grinning in your ear. Now I'm sure winning has that effect. But that to me, that shows, like, hey, man, like, it's there. The fitness is there. Like, you, you definitely put the work in. So it did almost, that's what made me think it looked easy because I saw you as soon as you got off your bike, and you look like just a, a normal day at the office, man.
4: Yeah, which was cool. I mean, just, you know, sometimes you have those days where you just feel that good, where I was able to ride in my in my comfort zone that moto, and not really waste too much energy. I think I wasted more energy after the race, yelling and hugging everybody. Um, so definitely that, but I'm just I'm looking forward to this off season because to get a full off season with my program and and build and come into the next year ready um, would be a, a beautiful thing because all that was happening off of you know didn't really have a whole lot of time to to really build. It was more so just get through this get through the summer, do what we could. So on that side of things, I'm really looking forward to next year because uh, I still have another another jump, another step to make. Right and if I do that, I'm pretty confident.
2: Yeah, and a lot's been made of the the move you made um, kind of out of your comfort zone of your home in Oklahoma with you know people that you're used to practicing with. And going down there and kind of, you know, basically living very um, light, of what the way I understand it. No, you know, very little furniture, no, um, none of your, you know, your comforts or whatever down at the Carmichael compound. At what point did you decide I have to do something different? When did that happen and how long from the time you decided to do that till you actually got the move?
4: Um,. It was after I can't recall which one, but one of the supercrosses. They're um, three quarters of the way through uh, in the season. Mm-hmm. I I texted Ricky afterwards and was just like, "Man, I need I need something. I need help. If it's advice, cool. If it's you know you got some suggestions, whatever it is, like I I need something because obviously you know regardless of what my deal looked like, I was I'm writing for a factory team. Uh, I have that opportunity for a reason and it was just going it was just so dismal it wasn't even funny so um when all that happened i was just like i really sat there and looked at myself and i'm like well i don't think i'm where i need to be you know off the bike i don't know if my riding program is what it's going to take to get to that next level on a 450 to get to be a winner yeah which was looked super pipe dream distant at the time <laughs> but i know you know i know what i'm capable of i know that what i can do and it's not showing so i'm like man i i literally am just going to ride my way out of even having a job ever again like yeah. it's going it was going that it was going bad enough that i wouldn't have hired me there's i i told them that i straight up said right now dude i wouldn't hire me so it's embarrassing and it's <laughs> tough for me to even look at myself in the mirror and be Okay with that and sleep at night, you know. So I had to. I just said, screw it. I'm, I'm cutting the tree down and planting new seeds and just starting completely from scratch. And like you said, I got a apartment down in Tallahassee. Like I said, thankfully Jeannie and Ricky let me come down and and you know jump on board with the program. Because, yeah. Because I mean, I needed I needed to <laughs> big changes and, and that's what I got and I think it's it's showing. You don't, yeah. a, you don't win a 450 outdoor national with uh, sitting on the couch, you know. No doubt. No, uh, it's
1: definitely it's, showing.
2: It, it really shows a lot of uh, character, that, the character that you have that you would be willing to do that. Because we have seen a lot of guys over history come up through the, the 250 or what you know, the 125 back in the day ranks and do do really well, and then they just disappear. But you you didn't just uh, you know sit back and watch it fall apart, man. You did some things that a lot of guys might not be willing to do you know, and back in the back in the '80s, you hear about the guys, man. They're they're sleeping in box vans, and you know, and they're 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 driving across the the country and things that you know riders at your level maybe don't have to do anymore. And you are willing to do whatever it takes. And I think big things are going to come for you next year. I really see you, you know, getting some podiums and you know, and some wins. I hope. And
1: with that kind of commitment, yeah. man, success is sure to follow. There's no
2: doubt you have the talent, and obviously, mentally you were beat down at the beginning of this year, but you turned that around.
4: I think, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing is I, I truly believe in myself, and I know that I'm capable of winning, you know? It's just that self-belief isn't enough by itself, you know? you got to put everything else there with it and, and mix it up, and you can bake you a real nice cake if you do all that. Right. If not, you're just going to be stuck there looking at the looking at the eggs. So I think doing all that was good for my psyche anyways, just knowing that look, I'm all in like whatever. If I end up completely dead broke after this and it didn't work out, I can sleep at night. If it does work out, then everything's going to be better than I thought it was. So,
3: um,
4: it's cool. And like you said, I mean, I was out here with a lawn chair in the living room and that was about it. So,
2: um, that's hardcore. I mean,
4: it was, I mean, whatever it took, though, you know? I mean, at the time, my girlfriend wasn't here yet, so when she got here, we were quick to get some furniture. But right. before that, I didn't honestly didn't have time, so I uh, was too worn out by the end of the day anyway. So, it's all good, man. It's a beautiful thing when it works out when you bet on yourself, and I truly believe that if you have that self-belief and you bet on yourself and you really put it all in there, that good things happen.
5: Well, it,
1: it's paid off because now for 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 the upcoming year you you you've got you know signed with JGR got a new bike to ride and it uh, looks like it it's i mean it it's going to continue to progress
4: yeah which is incredible i'm i'm really stoked on that the opportunity to uh go uh, go prove myself so it's cool people were hitting you up you know congratulations on the ride and all that which is cool but for me i'm like man yes i'm thankful for the opportunity but I need that ride so that I can have the equipment that I'm going to have to put in the work I need to put in to like get the results I need to get. So uh, that in itself isn't a win. We're definitely far from, far from being where I need to be. So lots more, uh, lots more steps to climb, but it's definitely doable. Right Absolutely. There.
2: Yeah. And how do you feel about this move to JGR? I mean, with, I know it's a good team and, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's still on a Suzuki, but is there any stress from having to go from one team to another and the changes that come with that team? And how do you feel about the new Suzuki?
4: Well, the JDR team obviously is an incredible team, a group of people. Uh, I'm obviously super new to it, so I'm heading up there here soon to get started testing. I haven't even ridden the new bike yet. But I love love my Suzuki. This summer I was really comfortable on it. I finally – did a lot of testing with everybody, the suspension guys, chassis guys, got everything sorted where that was something new to me as well. I mean, it felt, this was like a rookie year to me Right. where I learned, I I didn't learn. I wasn't out there enough really to learn last year. I was hurt kind of just, you know, it was kind of a wash. I didn't really think it was me yet. You know, so learned a lot, learned a lot about testing, had people that were extremely helpful with that on the team, on RCH. Um, the only thing with that was that I I got close with all those guys and, um you know, they were an incredible group as well. Mm-hmm. And so that was tough for the change. But other than that, uh, I'm not worried about it because, you know, you're going from an A-plus to an A-plus, so it's not right, like I'm, right. it's I'm dropping down from a Prevost to a C-class or nothing, you know what I mean? I'm, sure, it's I'm a going lateral from, move. Exactly, and it's still on a Suzuki, a factory Suzuki, which is a bike that I – I'm very comfortable on, and everything that I've heard about the new one is better, so right, uh, I'm excited, honestly.
2: Awesome. So, you know, now that you have some uh, off time, and even during the season, how important is it to have your outside hobbies, like, you doing, you know, rapping and that kind of stuff, does that really, if you have a bad race, or like in the, during Supercross when things were not where you wanted them to be, does having a second love, passion, does that make things a little easier for you to take your mind off moto?
4: yeah it it's i got my friends got really talented friends, but um I don't have too much time for it yeah really, but you know there's there's a little bit of time where i can uh I can do that and and I'm always you know writing and reading and stuff like that to uh you know keep you sharp on that stuff, just kind of like my little therapy session you right. know. So whether everyone hears them or not is another story, but uh, it's nice to have a little outlet. You know, we all we all need something.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I I honestly I'm a I grew up a I'm a rock metal guy, but I, and I'm quite a bit older than you, so I'm I'm 42. But when I was a teenager, you know, the the rap that I listened to was like LL Cool J and Run DMC and stuff. It's like, who are your heroes yeah, yeah. as far as music goes? What what were your oh, earliest it's, it's influences? As far as
4: Um, well, I just, I remember being the, I mean, when I was in middle school, high school, I listened to a lot of older stuff. Um, I was a really big EZ fan. If you, in my, in my yearbooks, ninth, 10th and 11th grade, I'm wearing a different EZ shirt and all my (laughs) photos for the school class pictures. So I was that kid walking around with the big headphones and stuff. But, um, as far as like nowadays, people that I put up there is like, really, really the ones that Drake is, of my generation, it's Drake 100%. Gotcha. Right
2: on. Is there anywhere people could go to hear your, your do you have a YouTube channel or anything like
4: that? Yeah, I have a YouTube channel and, and uh, SoundCloud and everything's on Apple Music, Spotify, iTunes. Oh, cool, cool. Okay. Um, it's either under Justin Lucas or there's the Pac-EMH stuff, which is P-A-K space X space EMH, and that's me, Frace, and and garrett merkin uh, which has a new a new one in the works for the packing stuff. so nice. it's always kind of there uh it's not my full-time deal right that's where those guys come into play that's their deal and i just kind of do what i can do
2: right well man i i really do um i expect big things out of you next year um we're definitely always pulling for you you're one of the good guys and uh man i just i hope to see you get up there and get some wins and you know, stay positive and keep we're gonna, doing what you're doing.
1: We're going to claim you as a hometown guy, too, because I know you're from Oklahoma, but yeah. we're from right down the road in Texas, and we're just going to claim you.
4: Hey, man, I love Texas. I spent the uh, most weekends of my childhood down there. So. Well, we're, you know, he we're right down the
2: road it. from Swan, so I don't know if you've ever made it out to Swan. Yeah, I've watched him race at Swan Oh,
4: okay, See, yeah. I'm just, oh, I've, I've been to Swan plenty of times. Yep.
2: Well, we're we're uh, about 30 minutes from there and two weeks from the Pro Challenge.
4: Yeah, yeah, I did. uh, I did the Pro Challenge uh, in 2011.
1: Rookie year, yeah. I I mean, it's the year you debuted, right?
4: Yep, I had a had a really good time down there. Just me and my me and my dad just loaded up the van and came down for the weekend. It was really cool.
2: Right
1: on, good stuff, man. Well, Justin, we know you're a busy guy. We won't take any more of your time, but thanks for coming on tonight, man. Enjoy talking to you.
2: Oh wait, hey, before we let you go, (laughs) the whole reason we have you on, the reason we were able to get you, was Jeff Brewer with All Sport Dynamics, who is one of our show sponsors. Um, so I really wanna thank Jeff for that and uh, you know how
4: tell us how long you've been wearing those braces? Yeah, shout out to Jeff man. He's a an incredible dude, and he's hooked me up and not asked for too much from me for the last shoot. I guess I started wearing them at the beginning of twenty thirteen so
2: okay,
4: maybe the end of twenty twelve yeah, and I haven't ridden I haven't ridden one time without him.
2: right yeah i started wearing mine at 07 after i broke my wrist for the third time and man yeah and i honestly like i've been wearing the same brace for 10 years his product is that good
4: yeah it's a it's a great product and i mean everyone that i've come in contact with that ends up wearing them same situation as me i mean i ended up messing both my wrists up and missing supercross uh my second year and when something like that happens, you're like, "Oh man, I gotta figure this out." And luckily, I had a contact with with Jeff at All Sport, and he got me sorted. And has been a big supporter ever since.
2: Yeah, well, I really appreciate that, and I appreciate him. Um, he he's he is a good guy, and he's helping our show out. He's given we're we're going to be giving away a set of braces here in the next week or so because of him. And 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 thank you for coming on the show and agreeing to do it.
4: Yep, for sure. Thanks for having
1: me, guys. Hey, man, Look forward to watching you next year, and good things. So, have a good evening, bud. All
2: right, thank you. You guys, too. All right, thanks, Justin.
1: Justin Bogle, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to take commercial break and be back.
6: Hey,
0: Kylie. Does your husband have to deal with leaking shafts? No way, Kathy. He uses Shock Socks, the original and number one 10-second removable fork seal protector looks like the best way to keep grit and grime out of your fork seals so if you don't want the headache and expense of constantly replacing fork seals get shock socks go to shocksocks.com and visit them on facebook to pick your color and don't forget they are available for street bikes too
7: In business since 1989, Broadway Power Sports and Tyler strives to provide a superior product with superior service. From motorcycles to watercraft, their full parts and service department, they can get you taken care of with great brands like Can-Am, Polaris, Yamaha, Suzuki, Sea-Doo, and Victory. And don't forget they have firearms too. Broadway Power Sports is your one-stop recreation shop. Broadway Power Sports can match any online price. They can have most orders by the next day for no extra charge. With a friendly staff that offers a personal touch with a smile, how could you go wrong? Call 595-6288 or click broadwaypowersports.com and save. That's 903-595-6288. And tell them Moto Xbod sent you.
2: Dark side here. Are you guys in the market for a set of new custom graphics? Are you tired of the same old basic layouts the big box companies offer? Well, if so, then you need to check out MX Girl Designs. From custom graphic kits, stickers, reproductions, and even vintage, MX Girl does it all. Call or text Char at 936-828-1472 or email Char, C-H-A-R, at MXGirl.com. Dot com and that's mxgirl g-u-r-l and tell her moto x-pod sent you you got the one snowman and down
1: hey guys muscle mark here i want to introduce you to my friends over at york welding and fab from new construction truck beds barbecue grills and anything else you can come up with york welding and fab has you covered with deep motocross roots and 20 plus years experience York Welding & Fab is a brand you can put your trust in. Call Carl at 903-780-7369. That's 903-780-7369. And tell him Moto X-Pod sent All Alright guys, welcome back. Again, big shout out Broadway Power Sports, Tyler, Texas. All Sport Dynamics, Shock Socks, MX Girl Designs pmp sprockets york welding and fab tpj racing coming up next he is the ceo and co-founder of alta motors mr mark fennec steen sorry i'm a, uh, sorry about that mark <laughs> mark what's up buddy
2: uh so
6: much man there's a, there's a lot going on here um but i appreciate you guys uh having me on the show and yeah looking forward to Sharing a little bit of what we're up to, answering your questions, talking about the future of the sport, all that. Heck
1: well, yeah. I'm super, super pumped on the uh, on the electric bike, the potential it has, what it can do for the sport in long term. So let's get to it, bud.
2: Perfect. Yeah, man. So you're you, like we said, you're the uh, one of the co-founders. How did Alta come about to to begin with? The infinite stages in the early stages of Alta, and I think it was called something else, if I'm not mistaken. How'd this get going? Yeah. We've we've
6: been through a couple of names and a couple of, of stages to get to, to where we are now. Um so to, to go all the way back to the beginning, it's actually my two co founders, Jeff, uh Jeff Sand and Derek Dorstein. They um they've been riding buddies for twenty years. Derek's a, a former pro speedway flat track rider. Um had a, got his pro license at like sixteen, seventeen. Had a, a second pro am career in supermoto in the early 2000s. Jeff was a, a longtime amateur racer, road racer, then off road and hair scrambles. And they were they were both um, super talented product developers. Jeff um, Jeff had started Switch Snowboards. He invented the step in snowboard binding. Oh,
3: Wow. Derek oh, wow.
6: Had, yeah. Um, Derek uh, ran a, a a pretty big specialty manufacturing operation in San Francisco. And he was kind of known as the guy that you bring a napkin sketch and an idea and he'd tell you that was the wrong way to do it. He'd show you the right way to do it. And then he'd build the thing for you. Um, so they've been, they've known each other for a long, long time professionally and riding. And Derek had, um, had just put, I don't know, about eight hours and two, two or three grand of engine work into his four fifty, And they were out testing. Um, and the bike was, Way more powerful, I think, uh, you know, putting out more than 60 horsepower, which at the time, 2007 or so, that was a lot out of a 450. Yeah. Yeah. And it was pretty unrideable, and his lap times were slower. And it started this whole conversation of what makes – it actually started two conversations. One was what makes a rider fast, and that's control, right? It's all about being able to put the power (laughs) to the ground and not just – in a moment but put it down to to the ground consistently. Right. um, Which isn't necessarily about peak power. Uh, It's about the way the bike delivers it, the connection from your brain to your wrist to that rear tire. And then the second thing was, oh man I just wasted two grand and eight hours of my life and I'm gonna have to spend another you know four hours reversing all that work I did. I wish I had an undo button. (laughs) And both of those things pointed to the potential for electric. Electric had this promise of perfect power delivery and the promise of being able to go out and test and tune the bike, you know, precisely to you and try things with no cost in time or money. You know, you get it wrong, you go right back. You can switch things in a matter of seconds. Um, And you you can change a much broader range of things than you could ever change very easily in a, in a, a, single block of, a gas motor. Right. So then that, that kicked, you know, those of them are pretty curious guys that can kind of build anything they want to want to. And that, that kicked off um, them spending their nights and weekends researching you know, everything they could find on the state of the art of electric drive trains, to figure out where we were. You know, I think they entered it with the same assumption I did, which is like, well, this will be cool in 10 years or 20 years when it's it's finally ready. And what they started to find, because they can't help themselves is as they, Looked at these parts, they started designing their own parts to get the performance to where it needed to be for an off-road competition motorcycle. Um, and by about 2009, they, you know, the first thing they did was they bought like a CR125 chassis, and they started looking for a motor they could buy, and a motor control, and battery pack, and all that stuff. And nothing came close to the performance that they needed, but also nothing came close to the performance potential of what electric could do. Like you look at the raw numbers of what kind of power an electric motor can put out, Mm -hmm. it's there, but no one was making a motor that was the right format, the right size, the right scale for that bike. So they started designing their own motor. Same with the battery pack, same with the motor control, and then it didn't fit into that CR125 chassis, so then they started designing their own chassis. Next thing you know, 2009, and they've got a a complete electric motocross bike designed out in full in in CAD on on the computer They had not built it yet. But the numbers worked. It looked like it had the energy to, to do a full moto. It had the power to compete with the 250s. It was on weight and coupled with what we kind of already suspected about the way electrics deliver power, they looked at that and they're like, that's a faster bike. Um, and and it was at that point where they said, well, I wonder if we have a business here. And they kind of combed their network of friends and colleagues and found me. Um, and I was introduced to them. And I, I, like I said, I came in super skeptical. I yeah. um, I uh, I was really interested in electric vehicle technology. And I was um, a big uh, road bike rider and I was a big mountain biker. I actually wasn't an off-road rider until I met those two. So... I, I, I got to be careful to not um, uh, over overstate my expertise <laughs> on that side. That's where the two of them come in. Right. Um, oh, you're, you're
1: way smarter but than I, us, bud. Trust yeah. me.
6: Yeah. <laughs> but I knew, I knew street bikes. I knew mountain biking. Um, and I've been looking at street bikes and like I was like, no, nah, electric has a long way to go, another 10 years. But I'll meet with these guys, sure. And I'll tell them that this is a terrible idea and they shouldn't do it. <laughs> and uh, that's actually – that's kind of exactly how the conversation started. I went, I met up with them and I was like, look, it's obvious you guys can build one of anything you want and I'm sure it's gonna be a really fun project and you'll have this kind of fun toy you can play around with. But, um, you know, electrics aren't anywhere near where they need to be. Where they need to be is, I walk into my garage, I have a choice between the best gas bike I can buy and the best electric I can buy and I choose that electric. That's what that bike needs to be or you don't, we don't have a business. Yeah. And they both nodded nodded their head in agreement, and they said, yeah, we agree. Take a look at what we have. And they showed me this bike on the screen, and I was like, that's impossible. <laughs> There's no way that it could be that weight, that power, and have the, the the battery to go the distance. And they said it does. And then we dove in. We walked through it part by part, battery cell by battery cell, to show that the, the numbers were real. And, um, and they, they checked out. Uh, and uh, and and that kind of broke my brain a little bit. I had to figure out why why it works because I've been looking at these sport bikes, and you know motocross is a similar kind of market and customer. It's performance oriented. Mm-hmm. It's kind of about extracting everything you can about the bike, but it's just a totally different um, environment. And off-road bikes see much lower average speeds on a much lighter bike, and they go shorter distances. At least talking motocross racing not you know cross country um stuff, but right. com- yeah you compare a motocross race to a road race and the energy demands of that are they're a fraction they're like a tenth sure
3: um
6: so all of a sudden you need a tenth of the amount of battery pack and that sort of minimized the deficit that batteries had versus a tank of gasoline and allowed you to elevate the advantage that the electric motor had versus a, a gas motor and once we sort of figured that out, then we're like, you know what? I bet there's lots of other opportunities just like this. And you can kind of look at every segment and you ask yourself, how is this person really using this vehicle? And you start to see not just one bike that you can build, but you see a, a whole business that you can build. And that was the beginning. That was 2009. I think it took us another year nice and weekends of pushing and prodding on the thing and starting to prototype some stuff to make sure that, that, you know, everything checked out and to get to know each other before we kind of, uh basically tied our you know it hitched our lives together yeah. um we uh, we all quit our day jobs in two thousand ten and um started the company yeah october twenty eighth two thousand ten um and <laughs> the the funny thing is is like in my head, I was like all right you know we're gonna we're gonna put all of our life savings into this, but then we're going to find some investors to back us, and I think that'll take about three months. I think six months is the worst case. <laughs> so I basically took took my entire life savings, calculated out six months of expenses, and put everything else I had into the company. Two years later... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that was, sounds a little optimistic.
5: When, <laughs> Yeah,
6: yeah, it's been um, – I've learned a lot in uh, in the last seven years, and that was just the first of many, many right. lessons.
2: Well, this, I mean, I first really started yep. hearing a lot about it on the Pulp and Mech Show because of Chris Kiefer, and um, like when I first heard him talk about it, I was like, there's no way. And then I started searching videos, and I was just blown away by this thing. When
1: you start hearing electric bike, we've all seen uh, other ones. Right. That's all I'm going to say about that. And they just don't add up. Now, what this one does – this this is this is this is the real deal. Like this is a real uh option uh for purchase for somebody who's a, a hardcore enthusiast that races, rides this or that and they're they're going to they're not going to take a down step basically to to get another dirt bike. This is something that could be their primary bike if they wanted.
6: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um I don't know how many of our customers or owners of of Redshift that you've spoken to, but I don't think you'll you'll find one that doesn't rave about it, and pretty much every single one of those guys has another top-end, uh, usually a, a, a couple, you know, high-end gas bikes in, in their garage, 250s, 450s, 300s, you name it, and and the redshift is the bike that, that they're on most days.
2: Yeah, it, it sounds like this thing, you know, obviously, as anything does when it's developed, it's come a long way. Um, and that's one of the things I was texting with Kiefer earlier about, it, and he said, man, just ask about the progression of the development of this thing over the last, what I guess, nine years or whatever it's been. Um, it sounds like you guys don't settle for for one. I mean, I know the battery life is a big pro- thing that you guys are working on, but just, you know, talk about the progression that it's come from when you first started developing, you got the first one developed and, and it had actual bike made to where it is now.
1: Oof, yeah,
6: uh, I'll try to, to keep it as short as I can. Okay.
2: Um, so uh,
6: basically it was a team of, of four of us. There's actually a, a, a junior engineer um, who was a, the fourth co-founder, fresh out of school, who real pivotal in the early days um, and, and still uh, kind of an alumni of, of Alta. But it was basically that team of three. I didn't. They don't, nobody trusts me with any engineering work. <laughs> um, they uh, They... Designed, architected, built that uh, our, our first fully functional prototype. That was 2011. So within a year of starting the company, August 2011, we unveiled a complete bike, um, ground-up, clean sheet design, motor, motor control, battery pack, chassis, kind of everything from the, the swing-arm pivot to the headstock um, had never been made before. And um, it was, at the time... I'd say the most advanced electric motorcycle that had ever been built. It definitely advanced the state of the art quite a bit. Um and it was kind of a monstrously fast and it was a pretty good bike, but it wasn't it wasn't quite the bike that was that was going to displace, you know, the best uh, of what the 450 or 250 class had to offer. Um it was uh it was heavier than we wanted it to be. Um Weight distribution handling wasn't quite right. Uh, strength, to be honest, wasn't quite what um, a motocross bike demands, right. and that was going to add weight, add more weight to correct. And so we had we had this moment early on where we had a pretty amazing, pretty good looking bike, a great electric, and I think conventional wisdom. Told us that we should bring it to market and just make the most of it, and that you know some some people, early adopters and folks that are really interested in electric are going to buy it. Um, but that wasn't that wasn't the bike to passed that garage test of like, is this the one that I'm going to ride when I can pick any bike? Yeah. And so we went back to the drawing board, um, based the next generation of bike off of everything we learned there. So there's a lot of common architecture. Um, especially the motor control and the motor, uh, the chassis is similar, but but a pretty big leap forward. And then the battery, we actually discarded the original battery technology entirely um, and started over. And uh, and Derek identified some opportunities to really move move the bar on battery tech. Um, and in our second generation battery battery pack, we essentially added about 50% more range per weight, which wow. we actually use for weight, weight reduction. Yeah, and, um, awesome. and our pack was already probably 10, 20% more range per pound than anything else that was out there.
3: Right.
6: So the, the Gen 2 pack that's, that's in the bike today, per, per pound um, carries, depends on who you're comparing to, but carries somewhere between 50 and 100% more energy than, than anything else in the market. Um, and that, that move was what enabled the bike to hit kind of the the base numbers that it needed to. What Kiefer's talking about is the thousands and thousands of little details that all need to happen to take it from that, you know, a number, a a bike that sort of has the right numbers on paper to a bike that performs in the real world, um, and like performs, you know. In an hour on the track, all that suspension and chassis development, all that motor control and throttle development, and then also a bike that you know lasts the lifetime that a customer expects. So, um, making sure that everything is fully sealed and handles the durability and the vibe, and you know 500 hours of dirt and grime and gravel working its way in there, all of that, um, that effort ends up being. I don't know three or four times as much effort as it takes just to get to that first bike. And if I if I rolled them up side by side, the the, the very first bike that had the new battery pack, mm-hmm. the Gen 2 pack, which internally we call Rev 7,
3: <laughs> that okay. gives you an
6: idea of how many how many times we we built and scrapped designs. So Rev 7 is the bike that's in market today, and I could show you the very first prototype we ever built, and I could put it next to the bike that's in market, and from 20 feet away. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference, um, but there are thousands of of hours of work between those two, I can and imagine. the difference between you know between a bike that looks good on paper and is decent around the the track to a bike that really performs around the track and then lasts the, the life that um, or beyond that we expect from a, a gas bike.
2: Right. Well, obviously you guys have something because I haven't heard a negative about it. Um, Kiefer's not going to—he's going to uh, he's gonna be honest, you know. And he's not going to
1: put his approval on anything right. that's not legit.
2: And we saw what Josh Hill did last year at Straight Rhythm. Um,
1: I see videos of Hill riding that thing yeah. everywhere.
2: <laughs>
6: yeah, he seems to be having fun. Right. I, I have to be careful about how much I encourage it <laughs> um, because it's—it's it's not always maybe above the board, but right, right. Um, pretty pretty happy that he has that bike, and I think he is too.
2: Yeah, um, you know, and there's a lot of questions that people have, you know, with the battery life. My understanding right now, depending on what setting you have, you could get about, you know, you could probably get through a moto, a regular 30-minute moto, I think, um, but then it's got, a, what, a couple-hour recharge time? Uh,
6: yeah, from a, from a 220... Um, you'll have about a two-hour, maybe two and a half-hour recharge if you if you drained it all the way to zero. Right.
3: Um,
6: in in kind of the real world, what what ends up happening is, uh, depending on practice or race day, you know, you're you're really not draining it to zero. So the the charge times end up being shorter, and um, definitely like our last pro test, the uh, the rider was tired before the the bike was. We just <laughs> it on the generator every time you took a break mm-hmm. and um, and the battery was the battery was never the limit. But I, I do have to, to be careful. Like the last thing I want is someone to drop fifteen grand on one of our bikes and be disappointed because we've set the expectations around the range or the charge time yeah. wrong. I, I want, you know, everybody like anyone who's considering the bike to really think about how they're gonna use it. And I think if it fits the way they ride or the way they ride some of the time, I don't think there's a better bike you can throw a leg over. But I don't want anybody stranded. I don't want you know anybody leading a race all the way up to the last lap and then having you know coming up short. Um, we, I'd rather them not buy the bike than uh, you know than be disappointed by it. Right. So in in terms of range, um, I do think yeah uh, you know the average amateur racer. Um, definitely is going to be able to do a you know fifteen minute amateur race. Um, they may
5: be able to do
6: thirty. Kind of depends on the the track. Um, the the bike won't do a full thirty minute moto okay. uh, under a under a, a pro. Um,
2: well, yeah, that was kind of my question because I know it hasn't been approved by the AMA yet, but I've heard rumors that maybe somebody that it might you guys might try to test it up in Canada next year. And I know they're going to have some arena crosses up there with the new uh, JetWorks taking over the the national or the, the whole Canadian scene. But I didn't know if you had somebody set to race this thing for the whole season, outdoors, indoors, everything.
6: Um, yeah, I don't think we've announced our plans for, for any of that yet. So okay. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna skip over that. Okay. Um, <laughs> fair enough. We're, i I will say we're you know we're trying to get the, the bike into any any format we can yeah and to be fair to the promoters and the organizers uh, you know a lot of the time it's not because they're like crotchety and they just don't bike electric it's just figuring out how to make sure that, that racing is is fair sure. and um racing is fair and you know they end that they don't upset the the sort of big cash cows yeah, right yeah Big OEMs, big sponsors. Um, that's you know, you lose those and we lose racing and that's not something that we want.
2: Absolutely. Uh, not. I would
6: say we Alta. So Yeah, I mean you gotta try to improve
2: keep, racing.
6: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, our goal is if we do this right, we can keep all the old sponsors, all the old all the, the money that's there now that, that's taking racing to where it is and maybe even bring new money, new audiences, new sponsors into the sport and help make it bigger. Um, definitely don't wanna you know, kill or kill anything or 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 diminish it.
3: Right.
1: Well, here's what I here's what I believe. This is done. I, I believe this is completely and not 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 immediately, but I believe this has changed the game. This has set up a, a whole new course, and I think it's one that's very well needed. Um, you know, we're losing riding spots. We're losing, you know, all that all these things due to sound, due to all, various different issues with dirt bikes, and, and we need this. You know, and plus. I mean, this is the way of the future. Like things have got to go this direction and uh, I'm stoked about it, man. Really. Um, I'm
6: glad to hear that. I mean, especially, you know, out here in California, and I think it's it's pretty similar, but maybe the 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 worst out here. You know, we're we now have to drive a minimum 2 hours to to go riding. Um, and uh, there's there's no hope of being able to like build a track in your backyard unless you really live in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um. And so the the possibility of developing new riding areas. There's a guy in San Jose um, that's uh, making some progress on a petition to build a motocross park right on the the bay, basically ten minutes outside of San Jose, um, in the middle of a multi use park where there's people hiking and there's all you know there's like soccer fields and stuff. Yeah. You could never do that. I mean, not even back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s when things were a little bit more lawless, you still wouldn't have been able to do that. Um, to all of a sudden be able to have that and uh, maybe attract folks to the sport from those urban centers that never would have thrown a leg over a bike. Um, and then on top of that, you know, part of our promise to ourselves is we want to bring that without any loss in the performance and the ride experience. You know, if anything, we want. To deliver an even better, of course. faster, easier ride experience, kind of get the, the best of all worlds.
2: Well, yeah. Um, yeah. One of the other issues that people have or, you know, when they hear the price tag, it's pretty high. Um, my, my question is, I know KTM has their free ride and it I think it retails for like $8,200, somewhere around that range. But just doing some research, I, I understand that it actually probably cost them more to, to make the machine. Is are they trying to
1: Death hurt long. Alta
2: by selling an inferior product at a lower price?
6: Uh, how do I want to answer this one? Um, well, the, you know the bike. The bike sells in Europe for I think uh, eleven thousand euro or, or more, which is you know twelve twelve plus thousand US. Okay. Um, and it's been selling in Europe for about three years, and, and they hadn't brought it to the US. So. They certainly had some reasons for all of a sudden deciding to bring it to the US and to price it so so much below what their European customers are, are paying um, and there's no question that that is on their their radar um, it basically from last year's straight rhythm if not before then you know uh, we, we knew that they were paying attention um, I'd say we'd, we'd rather work with them than against them but you uh to give KTM credit they are probably the fiercest competitors in the motorcycle market part of the reason we love them I and mean, there's a yeah. ton of orange bikes over at Alta that's what we were all riding before we got our our red um for the most part so um yeah they they uh they love to compete on the racetrack and and in the market and um that's that's part of what we signed up for yeah
2: they're willing to take a loss to compete and try to i think
1: they're just testing the waters though right like more kinda just seeing what happens, or
2: I don't know. I get the feeling that they're trying to.
1: Well, here's the deal: maybe be, like maybe
2: hurt all to you know make it. And, and, and I don't think they're playing fair necessarily. Well, maybe
1: not. I, I don't know. Here's the deal, though: the fact that you've gotten their attention with with your product, <laughs> it, it is good, in my opinion. I know it may not be like I don't know how that's going to work out long term. But I feel like it's really good now because that's no, gonna it's good they're gonna have to change the game now and that's good. I agree. And if nothing else, Scott, man, you guys are gonna go down in history as doing some pretty radical stuff. I think I'm pumped about it. I'm pumped about the whole thing. But I mean, you know, I think it's awesome.
6: Oh yeah, I I actually I I agree. Um, you know when we when we saw sort of the first competitive moves from from other big OEMs, and I I will say uh, as we know of at least four big OEMs that have bought our bikes now. Right. Uh, that, that happens. As soon as they're in dealers, you, you can't really stop anyone from buying a bike. Sure. Um, that, to me, that was a badge of honor. That meant we mattered.
2: We, Absolutely. You know,
6: we did something significant. We And like I said, we knew it was going to happen sooner or later. The sooner it happens, that means that the sooner that we, we did something big. Um, I also, to be honest, uh, the, the things that keep me up at night right now are, are not – competition i think we have such a a massive head start on the technology and on the the kind of specific expertise it takes to build electric motorcycles and to get the most out of them that all those guys have have a long long way to go to catch up um you know we we have the challenge of building a business from scratch and and there's um there's all sorts of opportunities for self-inflicted wounds and and tons of ways uh that, um, you know, that we can, we can make our own lives harder. But right now i look at the team that we have the bikes the bikes that, that we've, uh, we've already put out the technology that's in them. And, and I think the, the sky's the limit. If we, if we do what we're planning to do and, and we keep, keep repeating what we did with the first red shift, um, I don't see those guys catching up. And, uh, and I see the market and the sport really benefiting from it.
2: Yeah, I do too, man. I'm massively impressed, yeah, the and more the merrier, man. Happy for you guys. It's it's great to see somebody else get in the game, and and something new. And like you said, just the fact that you know down the road, maybe ten years from now, hopefully not that long, but you know, people can have little tracks in their backyard, and maybe a an electric, arena cross series or, or night races. Who knows what what can come from this. We can have one-off yeah. races
1: in the middle of downtown somewhere yep. <laughs> with no noise issue. We can, you know, all these things. So, I'll say this. I want you guys to think about this for a minute. Look how long it took KTM to be taken serious. That's true. Look how long that took. I think you guys are just about there already. There, are, People are already taking you serious. That's good, man. I, and and my, I'm, I applaud you for that. Thanks. I'll take it. <laughs>
2: hey, my last question, which – one of the concerns i've just heard from people that have rode the bike is the lack of noise when you're on a track in a motocross race and you know if the, the fact that the guy in front of you that you may be about to pass doesn't know you're there any any um thoughts on that of ways that maybe you can i don't know like, i don't know if i want to say fix that but address that i guess would be the way to, uh, to ask
6: yeah, um, it, it's it's an interesting one. Um, I mean, in, in some ways, it's a big advantage, all right? It's a, it's a lot easier to sneak up and sneak by. Um, and the responsibility is always on the passing rider to, to make that safe pass. Um, it's, uh, you know, unless someone's sort of chasing you for a while, most folks really don't, don't notice someone behind them. Right. Um, and certainly, it's not a problem when it's electric versus electric. Uh, you know, you you um, you definitely hear them coming. It's really gas versus electric, and and that period when they're both on the track. Um, yeah, I I don't think there's a, a perfect solution for that. I think it's it's sort of an out, outlier case, yeah. and um, and it means that a lot of responsibility falls on the rider of the electric to to make sure that they make a smart and safe pass and and show wheel, you, you know, as, as early as they can. Um, but there are there are some big, big benefits to that. that silence. You know, we get we get the question about noise, not just about passing, but for all kinds of reasons. Some just the love of the noise, the right. spectacle at races. Um, you know, even when you're out riding on your own, right? Like I, I love the sound of a, a well-tuned open pipe race bike um, as much as anyone. Um, but one of the the cool things we found is how much more the bike and the tire can communicate to the rider when the, the exhaust sound and then especially the vibration i disappear. Like I've, obviously I'm biased, but I've never been on a bike that, that tells me more through the foot pegs and, and the seat and the handlebars than the, the redshift. It's, it's crazy the way it communicates. And then the sound of the tire
3: yeah. and listening That's... to
6: the, the rubber tear. um it's for me it was it was a real game changer and like i said at the beginning i'm kind of more of the beginner or the crossover rider versus jeff and Derek. but but everyone at all levels all the way up to the pros have, have commented on the same thing um you feel so much more of what the tires are are doing and it's it's a different kind of rewarding but i i think it is a closer connection to the the bike um than uh than on a gas bike um, and and i think uh if you talk to folks who've demoed the bike or if you talk to owners i think you'll find the same thing yeah
2: yeah I, I i've heard that so it's i I can't wait to get a chance to ride one i hope somebody i know buys one because i know i can't afford one so <laughs> that i can at least try to check it out because hey, they're
1: selling them in texas now yep. i heard so
6: yeah yeah we i think we've got a couple stores open in texas and um i know our sales are up down there and maybe in some of the shops are starting to run them in uh in one of the amateur series.
2: Yeah. yeah I've, seen for some, sure. I've seen some of our friends, you know, tweeting about it and Instagramming it. So that's really cool. And Mark, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on. And, um, I think down the road, we'd love to have you back on again, especially, um, if you guys do get, do some stuff up in Canada, I would, I can't wait to see how it does.
6: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to do it. And, and before I sign off, I, I kind of got two seeds I want to plant maybe yeah. for that future podcast. One, one, we, we sort of touched on, which is all of these new opportunities for places to ride a bike uh, and and new access, opening up old places that maybe have been shut down, new ways to ride the bike, and I think we're all pretty excited about that. The other one, um, I don't think we quite realized how big an impact it could have until we started talking to some of the race teams, but you look at the cost of running especially a 250 program, and so all of these up-and-coming privateers, um, trying to keep their bikes running, uh, the uh, the cost difference between running a Redshift and running a 250 at the the pro level, like you make back the cost difference pretty much in your first race weekend, and they're going through 10, 12 motors a season, right. transmissions. Um, so, you know, we we thought we were coming to market with a with an expensive bike, and and it is, um, but when you start looking at the sport and how do you save the sport and how do you keep people pursuing pro racing and keep bringing, you know, young folks up and into the sport, I think there's this opportunity to really dramatically lower the cost of running that program. Um, we can't do it until we're homologated, but I, I think when we are, there's, there's another opportunity to expand things just by making the cost of entry lower for, for some of the families with, um, you know, teenage kids that are up-and-comers.
1: I do have one question now, and I don't know the channels you'd have to go through for this or whatever. What What about maybe like, a, say, if somebody wanted to finance one of these things? Uh, you know, some of us poor guys have to do that from time to time to get a new bike. So I'm just curious: is with these things, with a bank, with a bank loan, money on them? Is there is there a value to them? How, how does that work?
6: Yeah, we have. Um... We have consumer financing. Every one of our dealers can can get it through MB Financial, and then some of them also have their own consumer financing with local credit unions and and other options. Um, so even yeah, even the off-road MX bike can be financed. And uh, I think the rates are pretty friendly. kind of depends on your credit. Right. For sure. Starting a business For sure. sort of ruined mine. Yours might be better.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, Mine's I've, definitely I've not. been down that road too, bud. Trust me. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, uh, but no, I, just, I feel like that's something that people need to think about. Because um, in this day and age, not everybody has, even with a, a new KTM 450, who has 12 grand not very many people right. you know not in their butt not in their pocket so I, i'm not scared to finance a bike i've done it many times and i want i would rather make payments on one than not ride, you know than not ride so I, i'm all for the idea even of any of them so i was just curious man i didn't know
2: well, happy to answer thanks mark man we really appreciate it thanks um, for coming on yeah bud. i think i appreciate you coming on and Glad I finally got in touch with you and got this going. And I want to thank uh, Kiefer for giving me your, you know, the information to originally get in touch with you. And just thank you. Yeah, happy to do it. Great to meet you guys, and, and hope we have a chance to do it again. Absolutely.
1: Have a good evening, man.
2: You too. See
6: you,
1: Mark. Bye. Mark Dean, CEO Alta Motors. Good stuff, man. I, I'm definitely good. That's definitely on my list of bikes to own one day. <laughs> yeah, I'm no serious. So, yeah, I'm
2: just add it to the list.
1: Oh well, yeah, but uh, see, here's the thing though. So I've gotten, I've owned just about every bike I've wanted to have. Right. So then, that '96 was, you know, the CR250 was on that list, and I've
2: had it now twice. <laughs> so
1: uh, I mean, that's cool, and uh, that Altas on the list. So yeah. Maybe yeah. in a year or two, we can that, get in a better position. That was bigger. really
2: interesting, and how smart those guys were just to figure that out. Yeah. to Begin with. Yeah. I don't know. I think <laughs> way he, over my
1: head. Oh man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Well, I, I hope he, uh, I hope he didn't, uh, wasn't annoyed by some of our questions. I don't and. Think so. You know, things of that nature, but anyways. Right. So we're going
2: to go into a break real quick. All
1: right, guys, we're going to go ahead and get to our next guest. She is the team manager for uh, Team Canada's Motocross of Nations team, Miss Courtney Lord Lloyd. Sorry. Courtney, what's up? How are you?
0: Hi, guys. I'm good. How are you?
1: Doing well. Doing, Doing well. really
2: good. We uh, we love it when we, we can have the ladies on the show. Absolutely. Yeah, we've had uh, one of your friends, Christina Denny, on before, and I think it's fantastic. To see what you guys are doing with our sport. Oh, thank you.
0: There's only a few of us, but I think there's a lot behind the scenes. they just don't get any
2: credit. Exactly, exactly. But it's really neat to see what's going on. And um, so, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, um, I know that you're the, uh, yeah, I guess the race team manager manager for Cycle North Power Sports in Prince George, British British Columbia. Uh, I'm a little bit Canadian ignorant, so please uh, forgive that.
0: Hey, but, that's all
2: right. But t- tell us how yeah, you how you got started in all this.
0: So my parents have owned a Honda and Flair dealership for about 35 years now. And then me and my brothers took it over about five years ago. And um, we always sponsored riders kind of while I was growing up. My brothers raced a little bit. They played hockey a little bit more than they raced. But um, once I started working at the dealership full time, I started going to the races every weekend. We have 32 amateurs on our team. For probably the last about 10 years, we've had about 30 to 32 each year. And um, it just kind of naturally happened. We started getting more into the arena cross thing. And then the pro the pro money for arena cross is really good on this side of the country. So I had a lot of guys approach me for that. And then that's kind of how it all started, all evolved from there. And then I did the pro nationals for a year and kind of got my feet wet that way and started working for some other teams and just kind of, yeah, just kind of went full on into it with the donation stuff starting last year and it's been really cool. I'm really lucky to be able
2: to be a part of it. Yeah, and you guys had a, I had a pretty good showing last year. Um, you know that it was impressive. You know we we hear Mathis talk about it all the time, and um, I, I mean I, I love the Canadian Nationals. I love watching them. I love the announcers. I just think it's an incredible series. There's
1: Some legit dudes up yeah, there. Yeah, I
2: wish we got more TV coverage of it down here, but it's it's Aww. growing hey, for yeah, sure.
0: It is for sure, and it's a really cool series. I mean, it's a lot different than in the U.S. Like you see, a lot of the riders go into different teams' pits all the time. It's not quite as serious it is as it is down in the states, but until they're on the track, then it's a right. little bit different. But you know, we're kind of a big traveling circus, and every weekend there's kind of the same people, and you become really like a family. It's it's a really cool. It's almost it's almost like the amateur stuff, but for our national series, it's the same thing. Like. You know, you can go into any pit, and if you need a tire, or you need a tube, or anything like that. Everyone's willing to help each other out because they all know it. Just makes the series kind of better. And yeah, that's, it's super cool.
2: That's what our sports should be, anyway. Yeah, I think every
1: American rider I've ever heard that's gone up there and been interviewed and asked about that—that's that, that's the first thing they talk about—is the environment and how cool the vibe is up there.
0: Yeah, it's way different. I mean, I did Supercross um, a few of them with a few of my riders, and. It's, it's a totally different vibe. It's way more competitive, I think, and I think up here, it's kind of, they're going to do what they're going to do on the track, regardless of what we do, kind of, in the pit, so if you need something, you just go get it, and you all, we all just kind of help each other out. It's, it's a lot smaller, for sure, and that could be the reason behind it, but everyone, for the most part, everyone gets along. I mean, obviously, there's some people that have their quirks with each other, but, right. I mean, even a lot of the mechanics work for a different team each season, but they still go into their other team's pits, and, yeah, it's just, it's totally different, and we're we're super lucky to have it that way up here. And people love it. Like I know Alessi, when he started coming up here; he was pumped on it. He loves coming up here, and it's just it's different. And people aren't super like judgmental, or they don't pay a lot of attention to what's happened before with people to take them for face value. And right, it's cool, it's really yeah, cool.
2: Yeah, I've got to get up to one of those. We're we're so far down here in Texas, and it's not easy to do that. But I want to go to one bad
0: yeah you said I highly recommend it <laughs> so how
2: about uh, we were talking about your the amateur stuff that you do, and that's a pretty big part of what you do. Do you have any involvement still in the in the nationals?
0: um I only work for other teams at the Nationals now. it was really affecting my amateur program to be honest with you like the year I did nationals I couldn't because we have to go across Canada and it's so far so I'd missed a lot of the kids races and okay we've kind of got a really cool dynamic with our program that they really look forward to having me. Not that it makes a difference if I'm there, or not to be honest with you, but they just really appreciate that they have like a sponsor and a dealer, yeah. a dealer type sponsor that, that goes to the track. And I go to the line with all of them and just a little, so it was really affecting that. And so I was feeling guilty towards the end of the summer. So now I just kind of, I help on the West coast and then I'll, I'll go to one or two on and help other teams. I worked for the Yamaha Rockstar team last year and, this year, I worked for the Monster Cowie team. I just don't want to lose that whole amateur side of everything else that I'm doing. That's, You know, that's where my passion is, and that's where I started. So I don't want to get to the point where they're all like, oh, she doesn't care about us, or she doesn't really yeah. worry about what we're doing.
2: Well, that's really so. impressive. Um, and one of the reasons I was asking is, it sounds like there's some pretty big changes coming to the national scene next year with the JetWorks. Uh, do you know much about that, the, the changes coming? You know, how do you feel about that with the, there being a, a longer season, adding some arena crosses in and, and a few other events? Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm excited because arena cross is kind of like what I love to do. It's my one big thing that we do. We have five championships um, in the last six years in the arena cross series, so I'm really pumped on it. I think a lot of Justin's um, – Justin's the owner of JetWorks, I think. Yeah. His ideas are really fresh and they're really cool. Um I can't take away from CMRC what they've done in twenty five years. I mean Mark Sallyrath has built that series, you know, and made it possible for us to have a series. Um the, some of the stuff that I know that's, you know, happening behind the scenes and everything, I obviously can't talk too much about it, but okay. I um I don't know I'm Like I, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be really good. I just hope that it's it's not gonna be two series fighting to have one series. I hope that there can be an amicable either joining or someone leaving but not getting forced out kind of thing. Like I guess I just want it to be as peaceful as possible if that can happen.
2: (laughs) Yeah, because anything else is just going to hurt the sport. I mean, there's there's possibilities of some of that kind of going on down here. They're talking about wanting to extend the Supercross season and maybe cut out some of the Nationals. And obviously, you know, Davey Coombs doesn't want that to happen. And all that's going to do is hurt us. And everything that we should do for our sport should be something to help the sport period,
0: yeah, I agree, one hundred percent, and we can't have series I mean we we barely have enough teams to fill the gates as is, so if if it's yeah. split, it's just it's, it's not gonna work at all, there's just no way people don't have the money, and then you'd have to choose like which series you want to go to, and i don't I don't know how you would choose like if you would choose to go to the one that the big teams aren't going to, so that you can make more purse money or if you would go to the big one because it's more legit, like I don't know, I right. don't know how they would.
2: Well, I mean, I, I, fin- financial rewards is a big part of what de- keeps this thing going. So my understanding is Jetworks is going to be paying bigger purses. Is that right? Is that From your understanding? Yeah. You, yeah. So that's, that's, yeah.
0: that's so, a big deal. Um, well, it is a big deal. What they announced at the press conference is they're actually going to um, have funding to also help pay the teams. So yeah. the riders will have more purse money. But then they're also going to help the teams. I mean, anyone that runs a team knows we – Pay a lot, but we don't ever make money on racing. Right, <laughs> so exactly. That's you know that's kind of a huge thing too, and I don't think that's ever been offered before, like in in Canada, as far as I know. And um, even as a team owner, like I would really have to look at it, like okay, you know that series is cool and it's what we know, but we're gonna be able to cut some of our costs back by going to a different series. So it would be definitely something interesting to have to look at for sure. Right. All
2: right. So we we talked about you being the team manager for. Um, MX of Nations Canada, which is just I think is incredible. I, I love it. And um, how do you feel about nice this game. year? I mean, you guys got some really good riders. I know Kevin um, Benoit isn't going to be on the team this year. I believe he's injured. But you still got some really fast yeah. guys.
0: Yeah, we have a really strong team this year. I was really pumped that they all agreed to go. It's um, It's been a little bit rocky in Canada with the donations the last few years. And some of the, some of the politics behind the scenes, I mean, the, some of the riders, you know, even last year chose not to go, which you know, totally okay, and this year, everyone, I had a meeting in Calgary, actually, at the Nationals with all the teams and riders, and they, all the riders said they wanted to go, which I was pumped on, but then it made my decision a little bit harder, too, because then I was (laughs) like, now I actually have to pick between all my friends, not just, like, you know, but um, I'm really bummed for Kevin. like, Kevin, obviously, his ride last year was phenomenal, and he earned us these lower lower digits this year, so it would be cool if he could come and represent not being in the triple digits, but, um, he, he just, he, he got injured in Germany at Supercross this winter and it just kind of came back into play this summer at national. So he just said that he had to sit it out. So, um, but I'm pumped like, you know, with Sean winning the next few overall and then Colton and Tyler Colton just won gold at the ISDE. And, you know, so we have a really, really strong team. And so I'm really stoked to go.
2: Absolutely. I, I I'm looking for good things. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not one of those Americans that doesn't like other countries or whatever. You know, I want to see everybody do good. I love seeing uh, hurlings come down here and kick butt. I just love good motocross, and I'm definitely pulling for you guys. I, I'd love to see you, you know, obviously do do very well.
0: Oh, that's cool. Thank you so much.
2: Yes,
3: ma'am. Yeah,
0: it was fun. Last year, when the racing was over, Tyler DNFed in the last moto, and obviously I'm not very good at math because I tallied <sighs> up the points. So I, I hit over the said, I was like, okay, you guys, we ended up 14th. So like, good job, blah, blah, blah. And I'm walking past the media center, and NASA got me, and he was like, hey, good job, kid. And I'm like, yeah, 14th. That's not bad. And he's like, you got 10th. And I'm like, what? And <laughs> he's like, you got 10th. And I'm like, I just started crying, and then I jumped up and down. He's like, you can't cry. You're running a race team. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> care. So, like, none of us had a clue that we got 10th until I ran back to the pit. That's we hilarious. were parked, like practically in town we weren't even pitted in like the area because no one knew us at right, that time right. <laughs> I like took me about 10 minutes to run back and I got there and I started like yelling and, I'm, and no one really knew what I was saying and they're like what is wrong with this and I'm like I'm like we got tenth and then the, like the whole pit just started like hugging and high-fiving and it was it was so cool just so... obviously I won't be telling you the points this year I'll leave that to somebody else
2: But <laughs> you leave that to Mathis huh <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Steve's on top of things man He We're all big fans of his And he, he's he's just a good dude
0: Yeah he is a good dude I, I do bounce a lot of ideas off of him And you know Just little ideas that I might have Or you know even for fundraising and stuff like that Like I'll be like hey do you think this is dumb or, And because he'll just tell you straight up Like <laughs> yes, there's he no will. sugar coating So yep. if I really want to know someone's opinion I do ask Steve and he's been a huge help For me and stuff too so it's been really cool To have him in my corner for
2: sure. Well, that's fantastic. Courtney, I really appreciate you coming on. I know we kind of were running a little, well, you're on the West Coast, but we were running a little late tonight with some of our other interviews. Um, I would definitely love to have you back on after the MX Nations to talk about how the experience yeah, went.
0: Totally. Yeah. I'd love to. I appreciate
2: you guys having me on. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I, we, we have a lot more questions for you, but like I said, we were running a little late, and I definitely want to get you back on. Um, Mark actually had to leave. He just got to where he, he was feeling really, really bad. He wasn't able to catch his breath hardly, so. He had to cut Aww. out, and I apologize for that, um, but thank it's you okay. so much, and uh, I appreciate your response on Twitter and coming on, and uh, thank you, and good luck at they make some Nations. No I hope you do better thank than you 10th. So much. Let's get an 8th or, or thank better.
0: Thank you. <laughs> I'll keep you posted for sure.
2: Thank you, Courtney. You have a good night.
0: Okay. Thank
2: you so much for having me. Yes,
0: ma'am.
2: Bye. Okay. Are we still going, or? Hey, guys, we're back. This is Darkside. As I said earlier, Muscle Mark had to cut out. He was not feeling well. Um, I want to thank all our sponsors, PMP Sprockets, All Sport Dynamic, Wrist Braces, Shock Socks, MX Girl Designs, TPJ Racing, York Welding, and Fab. And uh, we got a, a superstar guest on the line for our Locals Only segment. Those of you that Definitely. listen to the Pulp MX Show know Mr. Gringo i just want to hear the motocross stuff guy man gringo and i've uh, started texting and he is a good dude and uh gringo man how are you doing tonight
5: i'm doing good man what's going on
2: ah just sitting here we just got off the phone with uh justin bogle and we talked to mark the ceo and co-founder of alta motors that was pretty cool and then last we talked to courtney lloyd she is the Team manager for MX of Nations Canada. So we've had a pretty good night so far, but I've been really excited to talk to you. Um, so you do a little yeah, bit of amateur. You've been murder. having
5: some good nights.
2: Yeah, man. We, you know, we've we've been having a good good show. Uh, our show has been growing for sure. No doubt. So um, yeah,
5: I, I heard uh, I heard some of your. Uh, um, you know, I, I what was it? The last one I think I heard Trey Canard. Yeah. I had Cole Sealy. I listened to. Uh, I listened to the one with Watson. It was was like hit after hit after hit,
2: and I You know what I'm saying? It's
5: a whole new world for me, bro.
2: (laughs) Well, I appreciate you listening to us. You know, I I tell everybody, you know, we're not as good as Mathis. Mathis is by far the best at what he does, but we're trying to do something a little different. We try to have some amateur guys and some local guys and – and, like, this locals-only segment we do is talking about local motocross in a, in a particular area. And, and you live on the on the East Coast. Tell us a little bit about where you live uh, and what the race scene is like where you live.
5: Well, for me, it's really exotic because I come from New York, and I'm used to riding in uh, in illegal places, <laughs> cops chasing you, rebarb sticking out of the ground, you know what I mean, garbage, abandoned cars, that type of thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, My local track, Long Island Motocross. I, for what I understand, that they're not there anymore. um, But they're not. Long Island is not welcoming to motocross. They're hostile to dirt bikes and all that stuff. So, coming out, ending up out here in 2004, uh, it was a whole new world for me. You know, being from up there, and it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because. Uh, it, this is like one of the best motocross. For a guy like me, I'm like, I feel like I'm at Toys R Us, like a kid <laughs> in Toys R Us.
3: Like,
5: I got motocross tracks all over. I don't have no policemen chasing me. I don't have to worry about my bikes getting confiscated. Like right. superstars driving by my house back and forth. It's like they're regular, you know, like it's just, that's the community.
2: Yeah, and you're in Florida, and obviously.
5: Everywhere you yeah, everywhere you throw a rock, there's a track. That's awesome.
2: It's <laughs> kind of how it is in Texas. I mean, there's a lot of tracks out here, too. So, yeah, you definitely move to one of the motocross capitals.
5: Oh, yeah. And you know what? The weather. The weather, bro. No doubt. Uh, if I if I cut you off, forgive me. It's just that sometimes the signals, a little, it goes It's like on and off. So, I don't know. I just realized you were talking. But it's okay. now, the other thing, Dark Side, is the weather. Like, for me, I'm a motorcycle guy. Like, I don't even drive a vehicle to work, I ride a Harley. <laughs> nice. And my wife, my wife drives the Jeep, I drive the Harley even all year long. In the summer, in the rain, I don't drive a car, only on the weekends. That's awesome, man. Yeah, you... for, a, for for a motorcycle.
2: Right. Yeah, you're, you definitely uh, you eat and breathe it. I, I follow you on Instagram, and man, you got some pretty cool stuff on there. How often do you actually race?
5: Uh, I, I, uh, you know, whatever I, I didn't, I just started back into it. Cause I had, you know, some of my buddies are busting your chops. Come on, let's get back out there. Let's do something, you know, uh, what's the matter? What are you chicken? Blah, blah? you know, they bust your balls a little bit here and there, you know, all in and I'm like, so let's do it. So I did one here. I do one. There. Now I'm trying to get up a little bit, you know, whenever I see a race, uh, not expecting anything. I just do it for the thrill. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Gate drop and to to get that adrenaline rush. I'm nothing special, bro. I'm a vet C guy. Some days I have days, you know, where you have that flash brilliance <laughs> right. that I don't know what happened. Yep. <laughs> but uh but I'm just a regular dude just like you, bro, just trying to go out there and every lap I do I think I'm Ricky Carmichael in my own mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? yes.
2: Yeah, I know that feeling, man. I know that there's days like you say, days where you just go, How did I just do that? And why can't I do it again?
5: exactly it's yeah. just a blast healthy and there's more to the story than that bro it's motocross literally changed my life well, you tell know about you it. had that episode with watson yeah well i've been down that road you know i had problems myself so motocross really really uh is, is a is more important to me than the average guy it's actually it uh, keeps me healthy you know what i mean
2: yeah i love that man i mean that's fantastic and that's what our sport is i mean it's people that don't ride like people i work with don't understand that i mean it really is a family you know if you go to another sport it's not it's not it's just not the same motocross you're out there you're watching other people's kids you're hanging out you're barbecuing you're laughing you're joking you're competing but it's just it's just something that people that don't do it will never understand
5: absolutely and i don't know about you i know a lot i I played a little football, I played a little basketball. I can do all those things. I'm not the guy that doesn't know how to throw a ball. Right. I've done all of those things here and there, but for some reason they don't hold my attention. I'm the little in special ed because not because I had any physical defects or anything. It's just I can you cannot hold my attention. Motivate me in and I'm I'm focused. I am locked in. I am the best student. Um, but you put me in these other sports, I lose my attention span. I, right? They don't. They don't grab me. You know what I'm saying? I don't know why. It's I, just, that's just the way it is.
2: For I me. totally understand. I grew up playing football and baseball, and I still love those sports, but nothing like motocross. Like, yeah, nothing. I don't. You know, all I, I don't do a podcast for any other motorsport because I don't care that much. I, I'm mm-hmm. with you. So. Uh, part of the reason we started this locals only segment was because of issues we've been having in our local motocross scene, and we wanted to see how other people were handling them. When you go to your local motocross tracks in Florida, do you do you see any um, things that are negative that are going on with the scene down there? Uh,
5: I'll be honest with you. There may be little glitches here and there, but nothing that's done out that of inconsideration or anything like that. Some guys, you know, it's a learning process. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, all right, now we know we could do this. They're pretty much from what I've encountered down here, the guys are pretty receptive. And they try to make everybody happy. Um, it's a big scene down here at Dark Side. When I tell you <clears throat> I got tracks all around, everyone, I I can't give you a neg. I, I, not yet, anyway. Yeah. The, I can't give you a complaint.
2: So the tracks seem like they work with the riders and they work with each other pretty well and, and scheduling and all yeah, that. Kind they,
5: of. Yeah, because you know what it is? You got so many tracks down here that it's a piece of the business, right? Right. And and everyone wants they try it. Now there may be some politics amongst owners I don't know about, sure. but from what I and they all know each other Try to You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh I've had nothing but good experiences down here.
2: Well, that's great, man. You know, when did you first start riding? I mean, you talked about Long Island, but at what age did you yeah. discover motocross?
5: Okay, all right. If I talk too much, you got to cut no. me off and just let me know, bro. Because you get this is a, you get me hooked on it <laughs> and you get me started. <laughs> I don't what we shut want, up. Man. You see what I'm saying?
2: That's what we want. Okay, Go so, ahead.
5: all right. I was the kid when you were growing up that didn't have a bike that was. Asking his friends, "Yo, let me get a rip. Let me get a rip. You know, let me, let me, you know, let me try your bike." I yeah. didn't have a bike, so eventually, I—that's all I asked for when I was a kid. I want a bike. Christmas, every Christmas, go look under the tree. Nothing, 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 nothing. Finally, at about ten years old, my my uh, my dad bought me a uh a, a DT one hundred. It was seized up. The thing did like five miles an hour. Omaha. <laughs> I don't know the difference, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I get on this thing, man, I'm a motocrosser, bro. I don't know nothing, you know what I'm saying? I get on this thing and, and around me, because I, I lived in Puerto Rico for five years, so there was like a dirt pit across the street, and I was like, man, what's going on? You know, and I'd see these guys on KX 60s and 80s, and, and, uh, and I just, you know, it was very frustrating. Anyway, make a long story short, when I, I didn't really start riding, I always had wanted to couldn't afford it. I started a family young when I was
3: 19.
5: Um well, you know how it is you, you have kids at you know 19 years old you got to bust your ass and try to make ends meet <clears throat> especially in New York, you know how it's expensive over there. Oh yeah. Anyway, so so I didn't get into riding, bro, until uh I think it was my late 20s. No joke. Wow. I I actually went and I had a I find it well check this out cuz I didn't know I, I didn't know the difference between the machines. I, you know what my first bike was that I bought for myself? I didn't know. I go into the deal, I said, I want to buy a dirt bike. I need something. Yeah. You know, I was doing all these things. I, I'm the guy that has too much energy, and I put all my energy into the wrong place. You know what I'm saying? Party and this, that, the other thing. So what happened? I bought an RT 180. <laughs> I take this thing to, take this thing to uh, these dudes built this arena cross track illegally.
2: Right.
3: Behind
5: one of the trucking terminals in Bayshore, Long Island. And uh so I went out there and I'm thinking, yo, I see the way these guys ride. I want it. I try to blast the whoops with this thing, there's gasoline <laughs> flying out all over me. I'm soaking <laughs> gasoline. You know what I'm saying? I mean it was bad news. Climbing did it have a kickstand? I'm like Yeah, at a it had like, a kickstand. <laughs> That's awesome. And you know, I didn't I didn't get it, bro. Yeah. And I'm like, What's going on? So no joke. I was I looked at my wife and I said, "Man, this is this ain't working, man. What's you know?" And I saw what the other guys are running, so I went back to the dealer and I traded the thing. And the thing was brand new, bro. Yeah, it smelled like gasoline from leaking all over because <laughs> it just couldn't handle it. KX, a '97 KX125, and that was it, bro. That was like giving, that was like giving drugs to a junkie. Wow, and that was it. Oh, yeah, no, everything is motocross, plus across. my kid, I got my kids into, I, uh, I just, it, it's an, I'm the type of guy that I get, when I get obsessed with something, just like with, when I was partying, you know, I was the guy, when the sun was coming up, and everybody said, it's time to go home, I would get depressed, no, this party just got started, what are you talking about, you know what I'm saying, and yeah. that's how I am with the dirt bikes,
2: you go all that's in, that's how it started, all in,
5: oh, I'm all in, I'm still, I'm like a child, I'm, I, I, I'm frustrated because I didn't get to ride this weekend because of this damn armor. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw you uh, You guys you know? were okay from that, right? Your family?
5: Uh, yeah, yeah. I got a little bit of water damage in two of the rooms or whatever. But you know what? There's a lot of people a lot worse off. I got minor damage, pool screens, stuff like that. Yeah. Not, not I got a roof under my head, and I never lost electricity. You well, can't ask for more than that.
2: Just to bust your balls a little yeah. bit, I got to race Saturday and Sunday, so there you go.
5: I saw it. No, no, that's beautiful, man. That's uh dude, I, I, I envy, I wish I try to ride every Sunday. My wife is patient enough and she knows how much it means to me to ride, uh, that she puts up with it. I drag well, she wants to be with me, but uh I take I'm taking her every weekend to the track. She's like, You wear me out. Are we <laughs> gonna stay home one weekend? And I'm like, you know what? Life's going by so quick. I'm 48. I ain't got time. I got to hit this track. I want to try that track. Yeah. I want to hit that jump. You see what I'm saying? It's it's exciting.
2: Well, your passion, man, is what motocross is all about. I love it. You know, when I first started listening to Pulp Mix, the first time I heard you, you became one of my favorite people on the show. And you you don't call in very often, but your voicemails are always tens on a scale of ten.
5: Well, you know what it is Doc side I don't wanna i i there's so much I have to say I wanna call in more I, there's things like somebody I heard a voicemail the other uh the last one I couldn't listen to it live I forget why, but some guy was talking about how you know this thing, oh, all he calls in all oh, he's yeah. talking about is making love and motocross ball to me those are the most beautiful things in life making (laughs) love and motocross right and if it takes me more than 30 seconds to tell a guy such as yourself or steve that i am thankful that they are putting in the energy to give me something to because i'm i'm struggling during the week waiting for sunday so i can ride again
3: right and if
5: you're giving me a little you're giving me a fix you know you you, i mean not too long ago the television coverage wasn't that great there wasn't no podcast i mean dude I I remember when I had to pull the truck over and go use a public phone to call my dispatcher.
2: All right, yeah, yeah.
5: So so I'm I'm grateful that I could you know I got I got your show now I got Steve's show, you got main event you got yeah. I'm I'm just being showered with motocross bro I'm thankful and I want to share it with the dude i you know I, that's why I call him up and say hey I'm not kissing his ass yeah I'm just saying bro this is beautiful I appreciate it.
2: Well, I, I'll tell you, I emailed Steve before I asked if you, you to come on the show because I try to be real respectful of him and the guys that I consider to be his guys, like Kiefer. And I asked permission. I said, hey, man, do you care if I have Gringo on our show? You know Because I don't want to steal anything from Mathis. And he said, yeah, man, Gringo is a great guy. You should have him on. So he knows you're a good dude. And, I mean, if you ever want to call in, you should call in because I know he'd be happy to talk to you.
5: Yeah, you know, and you know what it is, too. I don't want I know I don't want to be a hog, and I know yeah. there's other people that want to, you know. I, and look, I get it. I, have, You know, when I talk, people hear me talk. If you don't know me and you don't see me, you know, you're about this guy. You know, people take me the wrong way when they just hear me talk. I'm really a good guy. I ain't looking to hurt nobody's feelings. To me, I look at this whole thing like it's a big family. Absolutely. These are all motocross people. We all love to ride. I, look, I don't say nothing, but I don't like when they call up and he bust his balls about the weight thing and all that. Right, I'm not into right. that, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, how about we flip this thing around and let's all get together on this Strava thing and push each other to walk up the block or maybe do – instead of pumping the dude with negative stuff, let's look at a positive.
7: I agree. You see I agree. what I'm saying?
5: I, like,
2: yeah, you know? I agree. Unfortunately, our society isn't that way. There's just those people out there that they don't have anything else to do. but people tear people, down. Yeah.
5: You know what I'm saying, and we got all this motocross to talk about. And you're going to call and bust over these guys. Right. The amount of time and energy he puts in. Look, even when I seen him at WW, I know the guy's running around like a chicken without a head. I'm not going to hold him up. I told him I want to get a picture with you. I had told him, you know, months ago or mm-hmm. whenever it was when I called in. I got a picture. I just want. I gave the guy a hug <laughs> right. because I appreciate what he does. And yeah. and, and, and yo, know, bro, I don't want to hold you up. You do what you got to do, and I'm just happy. I'm. I'm just thankful I got these podcasts and shows. And, and you know what the most beautiful thing is right now you know, that I'm telling you this? What's the that? Hurricane Irma and all this, my bikes are ready to roll. Bro. They're all cleaned up, and yeah. I know man, I'm busting out some moto.
2: There you go, man. You know what I mean?
5: <laughs> yes, sir. Intact.
2: Absolutely. Well, Gringo, it's getting a little late. I do want to have you back on at some point, man, because I really, really enjoy talking to you. And I know Mark and TJ, my co-host, both, neither one of them are here tonight, and they both want to have some words with you. So we'll get you back on. But I really yeah, appreciate yeah, your talk. time man and um I wanna stay in touch. Hey, let me tell
5: you one let me tell you one more thing, Doctor. Absolutely. I, I just so you know, I go I saw, you know, that Tyler you said you're in Tyler, right? Yes sir. Tyler, Texas, I think yes sir. I used to drive by there all the time, bro. I did a Dallas sleeper team. Oh, really? Yeah, bro. I was driving by there not too long. Now I'm on a Gaffney run. But I didn't know, you know, like now when you say, if I'm like, dude, I used to go by up. Everywhere I go, I got motocross people all around me. This is beautiful.
3: Yeah. (laughs) I know where you're
5: at. I go down 20 over there. That rest area there before you go into Tyler, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh I pull over there to stretch, do push-ups and stuff like that. and I keep on rolling into Dallas. Well, if you you ever come back this way, you holler,
2: I actually live in Longview, which is a little bit farther east. But okay. I'm, I'm I mean I'm I'm 10 I'm 10 minutes north of I20 between Kilgore and Longview so you it's it's pretty close to Tyler if you ever come back through this way you holler at me we'll we'll get a bite or something
5: do not be surprised if one weekend you get a holler from me, and I'm I'm pulling bikes up that way, do and I'm it. ready to go <laughs> hang out at the track. Because I camp, bro. Oh, if I could camp out there with grizzly bears at Yellowstone Park, I could camp at a motocross track. In a Absolutely, tent. we'll see find. See I'm saying?
2: We'll make it happen. That would be awesome, man. And I want to. No, oh, see... it's
5: gonna happen. Okay, it's man. gonna happen. I don't know when, but it's gonna happen.
2: I love it, man, Gringo. Thank you so much for coming on, and um, like I like said we will get you back on soon, and I really appreciate no you. No problem. You be careful out there, man.
5: All right, brother. Keep keep pumping out them podcasts, man. Tell the guys I said hello. I'll
2: do it. Thanks, Gringo. All right, peace, brother. All right, see you. All right, that was Gringo, man. That was a lot of fun. How How'd you feel about that, James?
4: Dude, you, we got to have him back on. Yeah, he's pretty good, isn't he? That guy's awesome.
2: That's a good – he is a good dude. Yeah. Big heart, you could tell. Guys, I'm going to wrap this thing up. The show went pretty long. It was a little awkward with Mark not being here, so I hope <laughs> I did okay. Um, he kind of holds it down. Um, I want to thank our sponsors again, PMP Sprockets, All Sport Dynamics, Brist Braces, Shock Socks, MX Girl Designs, go see Charlene for some graphics, she kicked ass on mine for my bike, TPJ Racing, York Welding and Fab, they've got that uh, grill built, we're going to figure out how we're going to give that away pretty soon, and uh, we need your goon riding uh, pictures, man, send them in this week, this is the last week for it, we're going to announce a winner next Tuesday, Uh, Twitter, Instagram, and hashtag All Sport dynamics. Get them in, guys. Thanks. This was a fun show. Sorry that Mark wasn't feeling well. And uh, we'll be back next week and with Kiefer and a few other people. Thanks, guys.